Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the following on podcast from TalkSport, live from Bloemfontein, as we build up to TalkSport 2's live and exclusive coverage of England's ODI series here in South Africa, which begins on Friday. I'm Neil Manthorpe, and for every day of this tour, we'll be bringing you a new podcast with exclusive interviews, match reaction, and uh, the usual in-depth analysis from members of the TalkSport team. On today's show, we'll hear exclusively from both captains, Joss Butler and Temba Bavuma, ahead of the start of the series, and we'll also get the thoughts for the second day of uh, the Daily Telegraph's cricket correspondent, the excellent Will McPherson. England bowler Joffre Archer will discuss his ambitions of playing in the Ashes and why he had the best time being out injured over the last 18 months. Former England fast bowler Darren Goff will discuss what it's been like watching Archer first-hand in the SA20 as he began his comeback, and also Harry Brooks' inclusion in the squad. So plenty to come uh, here on the show over the next uh, few minutes. You're listening to Following On. Well, I'm sitting in the commentary boxes at uh, the Mangawang Oval in uh, Bloemfontein and um, Will McPherson from the Daily Telegraph is uh, watching England train down on this giant outfield. Um, it's the biggest in uh, South Africa, but it might not play to its full size. Um, Will might have more information on that in just a moment. They've some really interesting warm-up drills and, and fielding drills and basically just fun games that England play. One of them that really caught my eye, it's never seen before, is somebody whacks a tennis ball up into the air um, as, high, as high as they can and then a designated <laughs> man wearing a helmet uh, has to get underneath it um, and then the fielders gather around him and try and catch the rebound. That looks like a lot of fun, Will. Yeah, I first saw that last summer with the test team. Um, I, th- I think it's a McCullum introduction, I'm, and I gather that actually it's not as uncommon in Australia and New Zealand as it is to, to my British eye, and obviously your South African eye as well. Uh, I'd never seen it before. It's, it's an absolutely hilarious scene. I mean, people call the cricket basketball. I actually think that is what basketball is. That, that's the game that he's brought over, and it's really strange to watch. Reese Topley did an incredible one. He looked, he was circling beneath the ball with the helmet on, and, you know, he's quite a big, lanky guy. Didn't necessarily think he was most coordinated, and he managed to dive and get his head on it. Probably an injury risk as well. England have got a lot of form for warm-up injuries, We'll probably get a little bit more stick for this, even even than the football that has got Rory Burns got injured playing football, Johnny Bairstow got injured playing football, Joe Denley famously got injured playing football. So they just like they like taking risks in their warm up England. I think that's what we can conclude. And having fun, and they seem to have a lot of that. 
Yeah, this is their first training session as a group because I think, as we discussed on yesterday's pod, some of them milling in. Topley, Roy, Butler only arrived yesterday, so this is what I would say is a first proper training session. There's 13 of the 14 here. The one who's not here is probably the most newsy of the lot, the one we've all been talking and discussing and nervously awaiting his return. That's Joffre Archer. I don't think that affects the fact that he will play tomorrow. I'm fully expecting him to play tomorrow. I, I don't think there's any injury worries or anything like that. I mean... Every time you see a headline involving Joffrey these days, you do get a little bit worried. But I think he's all good. He, he trained at decent intensity yesterday with both bat and ball. And I think he's good to go. Old habits die hard. You just described this as the first proper training session. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they, the training sessions this week have been a bit tame, haven't they? This, this one, what I'm trying to express is that this one, I'm expecting a bit more intensity here. But yes. All right, uh, just before we hear from Joss, um, your, your reflections on, on him and his mood. Again, we've, just, we, we've just had a press conference with him and he seems uh, to be in a very good place. He said that he's enjoyed the SA20 very much. He, he was full of praise for that tournament, actually. It was interesting hearing him say that maybe, and I'm, I'd possibly put myself in this position as well, I don't think I maybe appreciated how much South Africa and cricket needed this tournament, needed to get crowds through the through the gates and he, he saw that as well and that he you know he's been involved, he's played pretty well and he can feel the relevance of this tournament for this country. He's obviously coming in with a spring in his step and a bit of form behind him as well, but I thought he seemed in good spirits. It was a nice kind of um I felt it was a kind of scene setting chat to start England's year. Their push towards their ODI World Cup defence there. We've had three years of sort of England and fifty over cricket. It's been a bit meh a bit neither here nor there they haven't played as much as they might have done partly due to covid partly because of the way the game is going with franchise cricket becoming more and more powerful um but it was nice to sort of set up the year and get a sense of where where they are how how they see this series in in the context of that year and they've got basically they've got two series now one against south africa three matches here and then we've got one against bangladesh in march in both of them, they are going to be missing players because of clashes with uh, test matches and injury. So these are the kind of fact-finding series a little bit for them. And then they've got a bank of games in September. There's nothing between March and September, which is kind of amazing for any any white ball cricket for England. Nothing between March and September. And then they go into some games against New Zealand and Ireland and then some World Cup warm-ups, which will be... That'll be finalising things. That's for that's for that. There won't be experimentation then. I think that'll be. We know our squad. We know what we want. And here's us. Here's nailing, nailing how we're going to defend this World Cup. Just for clarity, for those people wondering what uh, South African cricket needs this SA Tony tournament, uh, and I'll, I've been saying it for years and years, and I'll put it on the record here as well. South African cricket was heading for bankruptcy within two years. A billion rand of reserves had been used up, squandered, frittered away um, on two failed essay, on two failed T20 tournaments. So, yeah, need with a capital N. Um, right, well, OK, give us a starting 11 for England. OK, so the first thing to say is Phil Salt is actually training today, um, but he's been... In, he's been ill so for a, for a couple of weeks actually. Not just it's it, it's interesting. It sounds like a bug, but he's had it quite badly. He is back in training today. I think tomorrow's game will come too soon for him. I don't. I think uh, they probably were leaning towards Darwin Milan to open anyway. But I think I expect him to open in his absence um, alongside Jason Roy, who we discussed yesterday, desperately in need of runs. 
three and four would be Ben Duckett and Harry Brook. The batting is almost a process of elimination when you take out uh, when you take out Salt. So Duckett three and four, they've got a really good opportunity to state their claim in this series. They're they're now in the Test side as well, so they uh, they won't be in Bangladesh in March. So this is their shot at, at really staking a claim. Butler is at number officially carded at number five, but kind of floating. If they you know if things are going if after 30 overs, they're two down and looking great. He'll come in and try and whack it. Moen Ali, six. Sam Curran, seven. Chris Wokes, eight. And then the, the la- Adil Rashid, nine. And then the last two bowlers will be massively rotated, I would expect. But Joffrey Archer and David Willey would be my two to start the series. Um, my best bet. Ollie Stone and Reese Topley are the other two. Topley and Stone both have had injuries relatively recently, but both come in with a bit of form from SA20. I expect they'll play on Sunday in cl- in place of Archer and one other. And then Salt, I'm sure, will get a chance in the series, but I don't think he's got first crack. As promised at the top of the show, let's hear now from England white ball captain Joss Butler. I caught up with him uh, a little bit earlier today to get his thoughts ahead of the series. Yeah, the World Cup's not far away in, in terms of games for us. So this is a, a huge series for us. Um, three valuable games here against South Africa and then three big games for us in, in Bangladesh in, in what will be the closest conditions we we've can replicate before that World Cup um, in India, obviously, before we play at home in September. You're talking very interestingly about um, the different formats and the fact that uh, the day after a test match finishes in New Zealand, uh, one-day game starts in Bangladesh. And, and you said that if you, well, if you were a bit younger, that might be a source of great frustration for you. Yeah, I think it, it would. I think as a, as a young player, you want to be able to play all formats of the game for for your country and there's certainly some guys who will have the potential to be able to do that so it must be quite frustrating to to know you're missing out on a, a tour somewhere for to play for England because just uh, physically it's impossible to be in two places at once so yeah and, and obviously the we have separation in, in white ball and red ball coaches and, and captains now and and sort of if schedules are like that for it pushes the teams further apart I guess Joffre Archer said uh, yesterday that um, he, he has full faith in you looking after him and managing his workload for him. Yeah, uh, I hope so. Um, he's, a, he's a really valuable commodity, isn't he? So it's fantastic to have him back. It's great to see him back playing competitive cricket in the SA20. And, and now um, this is going to be his first sort of time back in, in an international game as well, which is, is fantastic. And of course, it's a huge year for English cricket. And everyone wants Joffrey to play a, a big part in that, in, uh, in both with a both red and, and white ball. So we'll, we'll look after him. But um, I'm just so excited for him to be back. I know that it doesn't affect you or England, but um, what do you make of South Africa's predicament of <laughs> qualifying for the World Cup? Yeah, I think it's it's a surprise, isn't it, for a team that's such a good side as, as South Africa are. But um, we know that means we're up against a, a very determined team in this series, a team with a lot of quality. Um, we expect a really tough challenge. You know, Certainly the position doesn't mirror their ability as a team. They're a fantastic side and, and we look forward to some great games against them. Temba Bavuma said that uh, England are the pioneers of, of world cricket in, across the formats and that he wouldn't mind um, borrowing a few um, of England's tactics whilst trying to stick to the South Africa way. Do you feel that, it, that you and, and Owen initially are pioneering in the game? It's certainly a big shift in mindset for an England group is to try and be at the forefront of, of the game and, and try and get ahead of the curve as opposed to be reacting to it. That's certainly been the case in, in white ball cricket for, since that 2015 World Cup. Just look at the, the test side from the, from the outside in the, in the last 
what's it been 10 months or so and they've certainly been uh, playing in a very pioneering fashion and, and as a way we've probably not seen in, in test cricket so consistently for um, and with such great success so uh, yes yeah, certainly um, I think the impact you know it is great and, and it's a really good mindset for us to have as a team to keep trying to push the envelope and keep trying to get better keep trying to sort of keep up with trends or, or set trends I just think it's a healthy mindset for, for us all to have and that, that drives you know, performance and a final one from me the transition from T20 cricket to 50 over cricket I mean it's it's two and a half times the workload um, does it feel like that you know in the legs not just the bowlers bowling 10 overs rather than four but for everybody yeah it does absolutely um, and you know the two games are probably closer than they've ever been in terms of um, the way people play and, and that sort of aggressive style that everyone plays in, in with the bat and, and chasing wickets but yeah very much the reminding ourselves as a group getting back into 50 over mode it's not something we've played a, a huge deal of uh, in the recent past so um, yeah it certainly feels a, a lot longer and that, that's exciting it gives you more chance to influence the game for a longer period you've only been together 24 hours but um, it looks like the, the band of brothers looks like you've been together for a week yeah, absolutely. It's it's, um, it's a great team to be a part of, and like you say, there's so much cricket around the world at the moment. But in you know, speaking very personally, the the team I enjoy playing for the most, and and um, look forward to to playing for the most, is, is this one. So there's some you know, great characters in the group. It, it absolutely, it, it sort of fits seamlessly back together when when we join up. So um, yeah, we'll have a great week together. England uh, captain Joss Butler. I also grabbed a word with South African skipper Temba Bavuma with uh, his team needing to win at least two games of this series to keep their automatic qualification hopes alive for this year's Cricket World Cup in India. Temba, extraordinary series in so many ways um, with both squads not getting together until virtually 24 hours before. I mean, it's, it's unprecedented. It's, how are you handling it? Yeah, it is a unique set of um, circumstances um, for, for both teams. There's not much that we can really do about it, um, but prepare as effectively and as efficiently as we can. You know, it doesn't take away from the, the significance of, of the series for, for, I guess, for both teams, but more specifically for us, um, looking at things ahead. Um, and yeah, we, we're using the time um, that we have, um, the scarce time that we have, and that won't be a, a reason for, for anything that happens within the next week. What's at stake, of course, is automatic qualification for the World Cup. And if you don't manage to achieve that, then you go to this pre-qualifying tournament in Harare in June. That's a prospect that doesn't seem to scare you or worry you as much as it does many other people. To be honest, it doesn't, um, Neil. Um, that's that's a consequence that we that we accepted when the decision was made um, last year, August September, to obviously accommodate our domestic T20 competition. Um, and forfeiting the games against Australia. And I mean, within the team, you know, that that realisation, that acceptance has happened. Um, and, you know, we're comfortable with the fact that if it means that um, in June, July, we see ourselves in, in Zimbabwe, then so be it. Um, with that being said, you know, we still have a, a realistic, more than realistic um, opportunity of automatically qualifying for the World Cup with the five games that are remaining. So, you know our focus our focus is still there but if that automatic qualification doesn't happen then we just have to go through another route um, to make sure we're there at the World Cup You described England as the pioneers in world cricket at the moment and said you there was nothing wrong with borrowing a few of their ideas and a few of their strategies Yeah definitely um, 
I've watched their, their test game quite a lot of lately. Um, and I mean, I've been quite amazed at how they've consistently gone about executing those skills in that in that so-called high-risk um, um, fashion. Before that, you know, we saw them in, in, in the white ball game where they came out and really challenged the so-called norms within the game. Um, and again, they've done that um, superbly well. So, you know, as someone who's trying to learn from all nations, um, from everyone, you know, um, I see nothing wrong in taking a little bit from from the way that they're doing things and, you know, adding adding to our little pot um, as, as a team. But like I said as well, the South African way will always be the South African way, um, but there's nothing wrong with us adding a little bit of of something um, from everyone. You haven't played for a while. Um, rest is a rare commodity in international cricket these days, but you've you've had a little bit now. Um, everyone else has been playing the SA20. Has it been a time of reflection for you? Oh, it's been a time of taking it easy, clearing the mind. Um, Australia was a, was a tough tour, and obviously coming from a loss like that, um, it does take a bit of time to to kind of unravel things um, and try to get a different perspective of things going going forward. So yeah, taking it easy, um, try to catch some of the games. I mean, in in, in the twenty twenty stuff, seeing a guy like Faf um, perform like that, um, that brings back um, good memories. Um, guy like Pangiso as well, and he's tender age of thirty eight, um, still still ripping the ball like that. So yeah, it's been it's been good watching, but also it's been good time to like I said, take it easy and spend time with the family. And finally. England have eight members of the squad who were playing SA20 in various parts of South Africa. Um, three came from Sharjah. Three, only three came from England. They, they had in, an enforced rest. I think uh, the ECB said um, that they, they couldn't go and play a franchise gig. So they've also come together, thrown together at the last minute. What do you think their approach to the series will be? I mean, they probably don't, they're not, they don't find themselves in the same situation that we find ourselves, where there's that... Um, threat of not automatically qualifying. I think they, they're going to go out and play the way that they normally play. I think the way that their game tends to, probably not a lot of chats, not a lot of analysis, but guys going out, seeing the ball, the batters and hitting the ball, and then bowlers, you know, bowling quick if you can, or being really smart. So don't really see it affecting them too much. But I mean, it's something that affects the both team. Both teams are going to have to do what they can with the cards that have been dealt. South African captain Temba Bavuma, so I've got a question for you. Do you think it's a fair observation to say that if a lot of people are feeling sorry for him, he's probably not feeling sorry for himself? No, I don't think he is, actually. He's... he's uh, I think he, every time I hear from Bavuma, I think what an impressive guy he is. He's got, he's copped a lot of the years. I mean, you know better than I do, but for you know, only having one Test century and all that kind of stuff. But actually, his record is pretty solid and stacks up very well against everyone else. He just hasn't scored many hundreds. He was left out of the SA20. Uh, that must have been incredibly tough. But my impression was that he's over it. He's like, if you don't want me that's fine, I'm going to go and do my own thing. He was talking about spending time with his family. He said he watched a couple of games. That must have been hard, given the prominence and the profile of that tournament in this country at the moment and the kind of fact that, that you know there is a bit of cricket fever, I think. That must have been hard not to be involved. But he looks pretty over it. He's, he's quite a statesman-like leader of this team. He's mature. And he's, you know, he's probably seen as well that there's some serious talent in South Africa, particularly batting, young batting talent that isn't in 
the, in their current setup. I mean, Tristan Stubbs isn't in this squad, for instance, is he? And I find that having watched him in T20 internationals in England last summer and also in the World Cup, etc., I find that amazing. But he's going to be banging down the door. But there's a lot of good players. Yanneman Milan, Riza Hendricks, all these guys, Heinrich Klaas, and all. There is a lot of white ball talent. I know we're always bemoaning the state of the South African test top order. But in white ball cricket, it was a lot of talent. And Bavuma. He has got a good record in this format. I, I imagine he would love to be taking his helmet off and throwing his bat around tomorrow, celebrating 100, because it would be a, a little bit of a two-fingers-up to all of those franchises. Those six franchises decided he wasn't worth top dollar. And, you know, that is the politics of franchise cricket, and I, un- I sort of understand how it's happened. I also think I find it amazing that he wasn't picked up, A, on record, but B, on just profile and, and everything else I think Cricket South Africa probably should have found a way I know Indian IPL owners can be they're powerful people but I think they probably should have found a way to get him into a team even, even if it was like an additional player I find it amazing that he's been kicking his heels but as you say he doesn't seem to be sulking or anything like that he, he, he's got on with things he's spent a bit of time away and yeah I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a reaction from him this week with the bat and finally, on Bavuma, um, it's a huge story for cricket followers around the world, the prospect of South Africa going to this pre-qualifying tournament in Harare in Zimbabwe. And, you know, I've written a hundred times that uh, they could be facing the likes of Ireland and Scotland and the Netherlands and the UAE and Namibia in order to get to the World Cup. But, but for Bavuma, it's just there's a kind of shrug of the shoulders and he goes, well, if those are the cards we're, we're played, then so be it. Yeah, and... If they do have to go down that route, it would, you would strongly, strongly expect them to prevail and be fine and still make the World Cup. But it's just leaving yourself open to banana skins that you don't need, isn't it? And it's, he, he seemed very relaxed about it. I suspect behind closed doors, the, the, the relaxation from that group as they chatted and trained this morning probably isn't quite as chilled. Maybe after the cancellation of the Australia series, maybe they're sort of resigned to their fate. Maybe they think we're off to Zim. Uh, we'd have as good a chance as anyone up there. We're going to the World Cup, but oh, it was a bit of brinkmanship there, isn't there? And I, I don't think I, you know, I don't necessarily think I'd want my team to be to be leaving themselves open to that. These are three massive games for them. If they could, you know, they beat England last summer in white ball cricket in England. If they could, if they could pull off a two-one win here, or even better, three-nil, it would be incredible, obviously. But two-one win here, you'd fancy them to be to be fine, and that that would be, uh, you know, that'd be a huge, huge result for them. OK, um, my gut feel is that England are going to win this series quite comfortably. I think that the, the, uh, the circumstances, I think, will preclude South Africa from playing their best. What's your gut feel? I think England will win. I think, I think 2-1. Uh, I, I don't see them being clean sweep. I think, as we sort of mentioned yesterday, there must be a sort of weariness to South Africa's best players at the moment. Bavuma accepted because he hasn't been playing very much. But, you know, the, the likes of KG Rabada and Anrik Norkia... Um, who are just you know such brilliant sort of world leading figures in what they do they've come back they've got off a plane from Australia having had a pretty miserable tour they've gone straight into the SA20 which has flogged them all across the country in you know short period of time they haven't had a moment to catch their breath and I know it's their job and I know they're handsomely paid to do it especially now with a new competition but uh, I just I, they must be a bit weary and I, I think England can take advantage of that so try and get two weeks off in June and come to Harare. It's going to be a hell of a tournament. I know some good spots. Well, yeah, South Africans can still also technically make the World Test Championship final, right? So they could that month, if it's in June, they could be in Harare and the Oval. I don't know how they'd manage that. But um, yeah, that would be, uh, well, Harare would probably be quite a fun place to spend that time of year. But I'm sure they don't want to be there. 
Cheers, Will. Cheers, Miles. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to the following on podcast from Talk Sport with me, Neil Manthorpe, live from Bloemfontein, building up to our live and exclusive coverage of England's three-match ODI series against South Africa, which begins right here tomorrow. We'll be on air at 10 a.m. on Talk Sport 2, ahead of the first ball at 11. Right, let's hear more now from England fast bowler Jofra Archer, who's uh, set to make his return to international cricket for the first time since March 2021. Here he speaks about wanting to play in the Ashes uh, this summer and also explains why he had the best time when he was out injured for 18 months. Yeah, there's no reason to look back, you know. I've, I've done my time and I'm here now, so that's the, the most important thing. To be honest, I had the best time being injured. As I said, you know, I had stuff to keep me going. My friends, my family, gym. So, you know, I'm not upset at all. I don't think I wasted any days as well when I was injured. So, um, you know, obviously I might have to do some extra bowling in India during the week, and that's absolutely fine because I want to play in the Ashes. So I'm going to have to do all the high yards and do everything that I need to do to tick those boxes. That was England bowler Jofra Archer speaking ahead of uh, tomorrow's first one-day international here in Bloemfontein. So Archer has warmed up for this series by playing uh, uh, three or four games for my Cape Town, that's Mumbai Indians Cape Town, in the inaugural SA20 League. Uh, One man who was working as part of the TV commentary team for that tournament was former England fast bowler Darren Goff. He joined Alan Brazil and Ali McCoist on Talk Sport to discuss Archer's return and what it's been like seeing Harry Brooks' progression firsthand. Joffrey Archer's first game after 17 months, he fired him. He bowled rockets. He was fantastic. So looking forward to seeing him actually in the um, in the one day series against South Africa. He seems to be uh, been away for ages, Goffey. But that type of injury, you've got to rest, haven't you? You you have, and he's had quite a few injuries, a little niggles in there. But the elbow was the one that was really keeping him out. But I can promise you, over in South Africa, 
he got some cricket in, he played two games, then he rested for a game or two, and then he come back again. And let me assure you, he's bowling well. He's bowling with good pace. And I'll tell you what, it's a series, actually, where you've got some pace on both sides. You've got Stone and Joffrey Archer playing for England. But on, I'll tell you what, Nokia for South Africa bowls every ball nearly over 150 clicks. Wow. So he's pretty quick. And we've seen Rabada. Rabada's a proper athlete yeah. and bowl fast. Um, so they've got two quicks as well. Goffey, tell me, mate, uh, <clears throat> getting back to, to Archer, um, clear, I, think it's, I think it was out for the best part of 22 months, mate. Is this something, he'll be back to full fitness, or is this something now that he's going to have to manage, mate? And I'm thinking longer term, because I clearly want to see him in the ashes. Yeah, I think what's been good, though, um, Ali, is but he's, he's come back now into this tournament over in South Africa where he's been bowling three overs, four overs. He's now got a build-up now with 50-over stuff. So he might bowl a bit more. I don't think he'll play them all, all three. I think he'll probably play one or, or maximum two. Uh, so I think they'll look after him really well. Then he goes back to finish the tournament um, and then they'll build him up for the test matches. So can you imagine England's attack when they've got them all fit oh. with Wood and Archer and Broad and Anderson and Stone um, and Wokes? I mean, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. You've got Stokes as the fourth seamer, Sam Curran. I can go on and on and on. We've yeah. got about a stable of about 15 bowlers. Goffey, tell me, while you're on about that, you're talking about the strength and depth. T- talk to me about Harry Brook, man. Three centuries in, uh, three in, in, in Pakistan. He's had an unbelievable start. Well, as soon as I went in at Yorkshire, I mean, the first thing we did is assess the squad and see where we're at. And Harry Brook had a year and a half, I think, two years left on his contract, which was an old one he signed from a kid. First thing I did was re-sign him on a five-year contract. Not that it's going to bother us because I ain't going to see him now. (laughs) He's been old last year from middle of the season. I never saw him uh, for the last three, four months. He's been with England in every squad since. (laughs) He's over in South Africa. His life's changed totally. He's gone for big bucks in the IPL. He's now going to be over in these one-dayers. He's then going to New Zealand with the Test squad. He's an unbelievable player and a great human. I'll tell you what, he trains as hard as anyone I've ever met. He loves batting. He still goes back to his old school um, and trains with them. This is the type of bloke you've got. You've just got an absolute superstar. He's a brilliant player. So, Goffey, some exciting times coming up for English cricket. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and, of course, I, I would get it with the Ashes. But this, um, this one-day series, um, would you make it even Stevens or would you make South Africa slight favourites? Oh, South Africa are definitely not favourites. They've just got rinsed by Australia. Um, they're in a bit of a, a, a strange changing mode at the minute. They've lost the coach, Mark Boucher. He's got to coach the uh, Mumbai Indians over in the IPL. So they've got new coaches, but they've got some decent players in there, right? I'm not I'm not going to uh, mess around with it. Adrian Markham's a good player. Rassi van der Dusen is a good player. David Miller, the skipper. He's uh, not the skipper. He's the skipper of the T20 side. Bavuma is a simmer, but David Miller is a very, very good player, experienced. The bowling attacks speaks for itself, and they've got two spinners, you know. Tabriz Shamsi um, in one-day cricket is an excellent bowler, and Keshav Meraraj, uh, left-armer, is good in all formats. So they've got some good players, but England, when you look at England, mate, that that lineup is ridiculous. The yeah. only one, really, who's out of form and who's a fantastic player is Jason Roy, but the rest of them, Butler, I mean... Duckett, Milan, Brooke, Ali, Sam Curran, these guys, David Willey, Wokes, Topley, Rashid, Ollie Stone, Joffrey Archer, that is one great team. That is an unbelievable and, and team. Stokes, and Stokes, a named cricketer yeah, of the year as cricket, well. Oh, unbelievable. 
Yeah, I mean, like I say, you could pick another team that could probably go and compete against South Africa and probably beat them. England have been playing their second team on numerous one-day series over the last two years. They're that good. Um, but it's always difficult in South Africa. The conditions can be strange. The toss of the coin can be vital. It can do a little bit. It can be easier chasing under lights. I don't know if any of the games are day-nighters yet. I've not uh, gone that far, but... So, having been out there for the past two weeks, two and a half weeks, I've, I've seen how the conditions can change if you're batting second. So, you can get done on the toss of the coin. But I think, like I said, Ben Stokes, Test Cricketer of the Year. Is anybody surprised? Not really. He's, a, he's just a great cricketer. He's changed the way Test Cricket's played under his captaincy. Um, England now want to score at six and over. I don't know if you saw the England Lions score yesterday, boys, but the B team, or the Lions... They were in Sri Lanka, and first day of cricket, they scored it over six and over. It's amazing. So it's sped down now. They want all their teams, all England teams, to play that way. It's high risk. <laughs> it's entertaining, though, and people are going to turn up and watch that sort of cricket. Goffey, just, uh, it was never going to be easy going into Yorkshire. You said, right, I'm going to have a go here. What can we expect in the spring-summer? Well, we've made a lot of changes. Uh, we're doing brilliant in the pathway. Um, the guys have done brilliant there. Um, do you know I mean James Martin and, and Trevor Strain, who's overseeing it? There've been some brilliant stuff in the pathway. Free kit, uh, the coaching. They've done well as well, and in, in the age groups under 14 and under 16s. The first team last year, obviously, we had troubles with England taking away eight players and 15 players out of contract. That's all sorted. We got some new players in. Um, it's going to be difficult. Um, we've got a very young batting lineup, but we've got a brilliant bowling lineup. These young batters have got a tremendous talent. And if they can get it right, uh, we're in for a good good season. But as you know, with young players, you talk about it in football all the time. One minute they're brilliant, the next, the next day you think, what am I doing here? But they've got tremendous talent. The women's team won the cup last year. The second team won the championship. So it's not all doom and gloom. Good. We've got some good things going on. Former England uh, fast bowler Darren Goff. Speaking to Alan Brazil and Ali McCoist on TalkSport Breakfast, which is back tomorrow morning from 6am on TalkSport. So that's it uh, for today's following on podcast. We'll be back at the same time tomorrow as Mark Butcher and the TalkSport team react to the first ODI between South Africa and England here in Bloemfontein. And a reminder that you can hear every ball of this series live and exclusive on TalkSport 2. We'll be on air at 10am ahead of the first ball at 11 and you can listen via DAB Digital Radio online on your smart speaker and via the free TalkSport app. So plenty of ways to take in our coverage. But for now, from Bloemfontein, this has been another edition of Following On. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channel Eyes Bingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage.
Take the super light tree runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the super light tree runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.